Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with musician Robert Glasper. The five-time Grammy winner is a native of Houston, Texas. He started performing in church and since has become one of this generation's most acclaimed musical producer-arrangers. He's become a master at blending genres of music and collaborations. His 2012 album, Black Radio, that featured Layla Hathaway, Lettucey, Erica Badu, and music soul child, just to name a few, has been hailed by many critics as a seminal album. It would go on to win a Grammy. He's also an artist in residence for the Blue Note Jazz Festival in Napa, California, hosted by comedian Dave Chappelle and featuring a number of stars, including Mary J. Blige, Nas, and Parliament Funkadelic, will take place July 28th through the 30th. You say that's not jazz? Well, hold on. You'll see why. Robert was playing Hurt, just recovering from laryngitis when we sat down. We started our conversation with his musical beginnings. You started in the church down there in Houston. Talk to me about your love of music, how that came about. Uh, yeah, it all started with my mother. Um, she passed away in 2004, but she was a singer and a pianist. And she sung at all the nightclubs around town, you know, from the, the R&B top 40 stuff to jazz standards, just her and piano, her and her accompanying herself, doing standards. <clears throat> and I was there. Uh, a lot of times we had rehearsals at my house for her bands. You know what I mean? So we had 
all the equipment at the house. We had drums and keys and all that stuff. So I was just kind of no escaping the music, you know what I mean? Because I was always there doing rehearsals and she took me to a lot of the time, took me to work with her because she couldn't get, she didn't like babysitters. So if my aunt couldn't watch me, nobody was watching me. So she would bring me with her to work and waitresses to be checking on me in between, you know, while she's on stage singing, the waitress is coming in and you okay, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> stuff like that. But then on Sundays, you know, she was the music director at church, you know, um, um, and she did that for on Saturdays and Sundays, Seventh Day Adventist Church and Baptist Church on Sundays. So I started playing with her uh, kind of at both churches, Seventh Day Adventist Church and the Baptist Church. Um, while she was playing piano, I was playing organ and just really learning how to play during service. It kind of I just kind of learned during that during that period of time while while service was going on, you know. So that that was kind of my my stomping ground, like really on trying to understand music and understand playing with a band and you know all that stuff at that church. You know, it's interesting. I, I grew up in Detroit and and I, I love music. I have no musical ability yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. Can't say, uh, but I'm the uh, dude who could tell you who wrote it, who produced it, who's playing drums on it, that kind of cat, right? Gotcha. You a liner notes guy. <laughs> I'm a liner notes guy. Um, but here's what's interesting to me. There is a foundation that I think happens to a lot of musicians um, who grow up in, a black church. And like you said, you know, there is the, the, the element of music that if you're a musician, you need to know. And right. then there's the feeling of music. Talk to me about what the church did for you. Man, the church is the reason why I know how to score now. That's the reason why I know how to put music to film and series and stuff like that, because, and how I know how to produce, because you don't realize it in the, in the, when, when you're doing it, but you know, I was doing it at a young age. I was like 11 when I started playing in church, right? But you know, in those years, I was over the choir, teaching choir parts, telling the drums what to do, telling the bass what to do, telling the guitar player what to do, doing this. I'm producing, you know what I mean? That's literally producing the record. You know, that's how I learned how to do that. What goes where, what makes sense, learning how to troubleshoot when something goes wrong. I'm doing all that when I'm 12, 13 years old in front of people. So you're also learning how to play in front of an audience. You're not realizing that you're getting that also. So people are like, you know, are you, you ever get nervous? I'm like, no, I've been doing this in front of audiences for so long. I don't even realize it. You know what I mean? And, you know, when you're playing in church, you're um, in charge of putting music to the emotions people are going through in the moment, you know what I mean? People catching the Holy Ghost, crying, doing this and that, mm-hmm. and you're playing that. And sometimes you're playing before they do it, you're playing to get them in that space. You know what I mean? And so the music is in charge of that. So, you know, playing a church, it, it really, really gives you the tools to understand so many things and how to control so many things, you know? Um, and that's, you know, literally I'm scoring stuff as we speak. And that's like, oh, that, that, you're scoring a service. When you do a church service, you're scoring it. You're the music person that's making all these different things happen. And you and you have to support that, whatever's happening with music that supports what's going on, you know? And so with all those things, church was like, I don't know. I'm the, that's why so when you're a musician that comes from church, you really have the tools to do so much and understand so much. And people that come from church can really actually produce a show mm-hmm. and know how to, and, and it's, it becomes it comes easy because 
if you play in church, you've been most likely, most of us have been playing since we were a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you start, as you mentioned, at 12 in church, you go from there, you hit high school, you've got a clear path at this point that, that music is going to be your direction. You find your way to New York. Um, yeah. Talk to me about what New York did and, and, and the more, I think, probably structured education that you, you receive in, in New York. Yeah, so when I, yeah, I got a full scholarship to New York to go to school in New York. Um, and <clears throat> the first thing it did was humble the hell out of me. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I come from Houston. I was the best. You know what I mean? I'm, when I'm a senior in high school, I'm the best cat at the high school, one of the best people in Houston, period. You know what I mean? I'm thinking I'm big, big thing, big stuff. You know, <laughs> I, go to, I go to New York. I went to my first jam session and I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now, I was afraid to play in front of certain people because I already saw that piano player play. So if you walk into this jam session today, I ain't playing. Mm-hmm. I literally stopped. I literally, some people, like when you go to New York, you put you go to a jam session, you have to write your name on a list and then they just call your name, right? <clears throat> and you have to write what, your, what instrument you play. But they would call my name and I would say, oh, I meant to put drum, a drummer, if I was scared to play piano. You know what I mean? Because I play a little drums. And I'd rather suck on drums than suck on my actual <laughs> instrument. You know what I mean? So it really humbled me because everybody, that, that's the melting pot of, that's where everybody goes when you're, when you're really good. That's why they say you make it in New York, you make it anywhere. Because that's where everyone goes to try to make it, especially in jazz. You know what I mean? And there's that. And then the first day I got to school, I met Bilal, amazing singer, amazing vocals, Bilal. We met the first day of school. On stage, they like called our names. All the freshmen that scored a certain thing when you auditioned, they put you on stage together to see how you play. They called me and Bilal together on stage, you know, and that was the, and and that changed everything. You know, me and Bilal started writing songs, you know, I mean, in my dorm room and messing around. Then he got signed to Interscope Records and then I became his MD, started opening up, opening up for Erica and Common and that, that you know, being with him threw me into that whole Neo Soul scene because he's from Philadelphia, you know what I mean? And, in that time period, especially, that was like 97, 98. That was when the whole you know, neo yeah. soul, what they yeah. call it, was, was cracking. That and was and when Philly was starting to rock that at that time. Philly starting to rock that. And since Bilal was from there, we would take a bus from New York to Philly every, was it Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, and go to the spot called the, the Black Lily. Um, and that's where it was brewing. That's where, the, that's the club where that was happening at. And at, at every Monday or every Tuesday, was where that Neo Soul stuff was happening. So when I went there, with, I was going there with him every other week, seeing Jasmine Sullivan when she was 14 in a club, <laughs> smashing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Seeing all these amazing people, you know what I mean, there. Then the Roots started having a jam session in New York. And that was every week, and that was crazy. That's where I met everybody, and Bilal introduced me to all the Philly cats, you know, James Boyzer and Questlove, and, you know, and that's how, how I got in with them. And then I started playing with the Roots a lot because I was going to sit in with them at the jam session. They started calling me to actually play shows with them. You know what I mean? So I was I was like an alternate route, if you will, uh, <laughs> for many years. <clears throat> so that was really my introduction to playing hip hop live, you know, doing that with, you know, being Bilal's music director and working on his album and playing with the Roots, you know what I mean? And all that stuff. And Spending some time in Detroit with Jay Dilla with Bilal, mm-hmm. you know, for his first record, you know what I mean? And being able to like really jam with Dilla in his basement. He on the MP, I'm on the roads, Bilal there. We 
you know, I got to do that for, for like two weeks. And so that whole thing really cultivated, you know, what, what, what I got going on now, you know, do you, do you ever think about, you know, I, I remember Gamblin Huff talked about just, um, the, the universe that allowed them to bump into each other in an elevator. Uh, and, and the idea that what it takes to become a name in music, it's extraordinary when you can find two people who bump into each other and then make a name for themselves. I'm, I'm wondering if you and Bilal ever think about that. I mean, just the odds <clears throat> of that are astronomical. Absolutely. And timing is everything. Because I originally got a full scholarship to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I had that when I was in 11th grade, right? So my senior year, I didn't have to do nothing. Berkeley didn't even take SAT tests. I didn't even need to take an SAT test. Like a, the status test you have to take when you're you know, going to college, that particular, I didn't need one. So I was really chilling, like, you know. And then New School in New York came and gave me a scholarship at the very last minute. They gave me a scholarship, so I had to make a choice. And I was like, well, I think everybody from Berkeley ends up going to New York. <laughs> so I'm going to beat all of them and get to New York first. But if I would have waited and went to Berkeley, which is a cooler, the cooler school, you know what I mean? It has more, you know, just the hoopla. When you when people are talking about colleges, Berkeley College of Music is the one to go to, you know. If I would have went there, I would have got to New York four years late. Blah would have been gone. <clears throat> My life would have been different. I would have missed the Roots Jam sessions. I would have missed all those things. I would have missed meeting Common and teaching him piano lessons because Bilal was like my Common. My friend Common's a rapper. He wanted to get piano lessons. I was like, all right. And he lived right down the street from me and Bilal. Erica lived down the street from me and Bilal. And he introduced me to Erica. I used to go walk to Erica's house and walk, listen to listen to stuff that she was about to put out. She would get me, put my ear on it because I was a jazz guy. You know what I mean? She'd be like, this is kind of jazzy. What do you think about this? You know? All those things are such a part of my my life, you know what I mean? And I would have totally missed that if I would have just made that other decision. You know what I mean? So it's like I always tell people like the 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 key to really being successful is the the practicing and all that kind of stuff, but it's also um, you know, the opportunity and being a, being cre- creating it, being able to accept an opportunity, be where the opportunity is, you know? Yeah, because you can be dope as hell, amazing. You can be an amazing artist, amazing musician, but if you're not in a place where opportunities happen, then you're gonna miss all those things. People who are not as talented as you are gonna get those opportunities because they're just in the right place at the right time. And I knew New York was gonna be where I wanted to be anyway. I'm like, that's all the things I want to do. The opportunity's there. Let me go there because the probability of something happening is bigger there. When I think about your path, yeah, um, in terms of collaboration. And the genres of music that you can touch and master, I, th- I think about what Quincy Jones has done over the course of his career. Absolutely, um, and, the, and the idea that the touch tone of somebody like Quincy Jones or Arif Martin, um, that you can take any kind of music. Yeah, and Anything. it sounds like you you're you're at home with that. Right. Do you right. feel that way? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> And it's because um, I did the work. You know what I mean? A lot of people, I know this to be factual. I know so many people who are jazz musicians. And in their mind, hey, I'm going to put a hip-hop beat on this song. Now I'm crossed over. 
you know, I put a rapper on my song. Now I've crossed over. <clears throat> but and they play jazz. They play hip hop with the rest of their jazz friends who also don't know how to play hip hop. You know what I mean? <laughs> the same way with hip hop guys. I'm, I tell people all the time, you want to learn how to play jazz? You got to go play with jazz guys. Don't play with the rest of your hip hop friends who don't know how to play jazz. Also, you want to play hip hop? <clears throat> you need to go play in a hip hop band. You need to really understand what that is, what that feels like. You know what I mean? And what what all those vibes are, and and you'll get all those little musical intricacies that make hip hop hip hop. And same thing. So whatever genre you want to play in, you got to play with the masters if you can. Some masters of that genre, or some people who are really good of that in that genre. So when you play that genre, you know what you're doing, and it can feel authentic. You know. Yeah. So every genre that I play, you know, I I, I pretty much live in hip hop, R and B, and jazz. And I play with literally masters of all of those genres. I've been on the road with, with literal masters of that genre and with other people that are really good in playing that genre. And that's what taught me. I, I don't know if you can, I don't know how you get better at hip hop playing with the roots and playing with Dilla and going over Q-Tip's house every other week, playing, doing stuff with him, playing in his band and recent playing samples for him. You know, I was hanging out with Q-Tip Dilla and the Roots. That's how I learned how to play hip hop. You, you know what I mean? You have um, an interesting dynamic in that there are a lot of people like you who, you know, have have a natural affinity to produce, to arrange, to kind of put the 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 pie together, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. they're satisfied with that. They don't necessarily need to come out front and have what you had, and that's a, a seminal album. Uh, with Black Radio. I cherish the day I won't go astray I won't be afraid You won't catch me running moving the way that I move Did the idea of the acceptance and, and the notoriety that you received for one and two surprise you at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. If I didn't well, luckily, I was a jazz musician. <clears throat> I put out jazz records first, jazz trio albums. So I had a whole life in jazz. So that's why I was able to have even the thought of, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm the artist, but I'm also a producer, and I can do this. That That's what made me get in the alignment in the Quincy Jones world. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I can do this, but I can also be a leader in it. I can also be the face of it. Because I already put out jazz records, you know what I mean? Most of the producers and stuff like that in R&B world, they're so busy working with other artists for their stuff, they never become their own artists, you know what I mean? And and even think of it like, oh, I can do an album, even if I don't, I can produce it and I can compose it. But I was already doing my own stuff, you know what I mean? So it made it easier, that transition. But I got to tell you, when we made Black Radio 1, and I wasn't expecting him to do a number two. When we made Black Radio, it was just like, you know, I just called up some of my friends. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to do this record with me? And I it was supposed to be a half and half record. It was only supposed to be like six guests on 12 tracks. But my friends kept hearing about it. You know, other people hearing it. You, you doing a record? I'm not on a record. You know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it, it just became, okay. So it became a, a, a juke joint, a Quincy Jones juke joint, if you will. Right, right. By, by chance, because it kind of snowballed into that. You know what I mean? And I thought it was at best going to get like underground praise. Like, oh, this is a cool underground record. I had, I did not expect the Grammys to get a whiff of it. I did not expect 
to get nominated for a Grammy. And I damn sure didn't expect to win. But I was going up against, you know, cats that are out here. You know, I think I went up against R. Kelly and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I forget who all, who all was on Black Radio 1 who I went against. But it was like heavy hitters. It's R&B, you know, so I'm not thinking I'm going to win. And the win just took it over the top. I was like, I can't believe this, yo, you know. And it, and when I won, it was like I won for everybody. You know, I won for the musicians. I won for the artists who aren't doing the cookie cutter in the box type R&B music. You know, I won for artists who are honest with themselves and who really got something to say, you know. You you talked about working with masters and 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 people who really are musicians. There are artists, right? Yep. Uh, and then there are musicians. Absolutely. And I think about the people that you've worked with just some of the names on the jazz side, Christian McBride and, and Terrence Blanchard, Roy Hargrove, Marcus yep. Miller. And then I think about, you mentioned Erica and Common and Jill Scott, my man, Anthony Hamilton, yep. uh, and my girl, Layla, who I love to death. And, and, and even Snoop, give me a sense when you close the door, man. And you think about all of these people you've been able to work with. Uh, I, I suspect you see it as a blessing and what else? Absolutely. It's a blessing and a, and a privilege, you know, to be able to work with, because the reality is I can't afford none of them people. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I didn't do black radio, like yeah. paying everybody what they're worth. No, yeah. that's relationships. That's me being cool. That's a lesson. I try to tell musicians don't get to the point where you think you're so good. And it's not even that you're good. You might have a good gig gigs come and go, but people have a good gig and they, they think they can be assholes to people. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They think they can mm -hmm. look down on other musicians and walk in the room and treat people a certain way and all these things. You know what I mean? And gigs come and go. You can get fired tomorrow because most of it, most of that thing comes from that. It's like, oh, I'm the MD for so-and-so. And like, you might be the MD this year and not next year. Mm -hmm. Chill out, you know? But I've learned that, you know, I've had the same personality since I was a little kid. People that I've seen run into an elementary school, like, bro, you haven't changed, bro. I'm on your IG, you're the same person. Like, mm -hmm. and people like me and I have a rapport with people and I like to be cool with people. And that's why I'm able to make black radio because people like what I do musically and they like me. And it's like, you know what, this could work. And it's a win-win for both of us. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I, I, I never take it for granted. And I think it is a privilege. And I think it, like I said, it just, it's a, a test, a testament to, just if you, you know, if you be humble and be cool about stuff and, you know, things like that can happen for you, yeah. you know what I mean? And come to you with that, you know. Last thing before we jump into the Blue Note Jazz Festival coming up in July, you mentioned the idea of scoring music for films, which, you know, for many, many years, save Quincy, Blacks were not able to even get a whiff of that. Uh, I know that you did uh, the, the uh, photograph that Issa Rae uh, was in. Um, what else are you doing and what are you looking to do? Yeah, so um, I right after the photograph, I, I did this series. The second season is coming out. It's called, um, it's called um, Run the World. It's on Stars. Um, the second season is about to come out. I did that. I also did the... Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the the mm -hmm. reboot, the mm -hmm. new Fresh Prince of Bel Air on Peacock. I did the first season of that. Um, I'm fin I'm starting the second season now of Winning Time on HBO about the the late the, the Lakers in the '80s. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I did the Best Man series uh, that came out in December just now. 
Um, so mostly I've been just doing a lot of series, you know, a lot, a lot of series. I'm working right now on a series as we speak called The Big Cigar. Um, Don Cheadle is producing, <clears throat> um, finishing up that. Um, and yeah, and then there's some other things that I can't say there that we haven't signed a dotted line yet on yet, but there's some really cool um, opportunities for movies yeah. that have come around. So I'm just uh, waiting, to, waiting until I can talk about those. But that's what I was doing during the pandemic. You know, during the pandemic, I, you know, I, you couldn't go into studios. You know, you couldn't do any of that because of COVID. So this this room I'm in is a studio we built. Like uh, literally, it's a one bedroom apartment in the back of my house in a lot that my that my landlord moved out of during COVID. So me and my friend Terrence Martin took it over and made it a studio. Now, this is where I made Black Radio, and this is where I scored all of those series. You know, so I was able to have a safe space to do all the stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and on a personal note, that's, uh, you know, and congratulations. And that's great. I remember Quincy Jones telling me the idea of being able to score the length of time you can make a career out of that. He said, you know, Ed, some people have a great two or three years in music, four or five years in music, but the idea of being able to score for movies and television, he said, you know how Quincy said, dude, you can do that forever. Oh man! Oh man! You can do it forever, man. Yeah. So one's a motherfucker, man. It's a motherfucker, man. That's him. You, man. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the festival, man. Uh, July twenty eighth through the thirtieth, um, in yes. Napa. Yes. You, you are are the resident uh, artist, the resident, and and curated this. Now, let me ask you the question that everybody's going to ask you. Um, And that is when you see Napa Jazz and you look at some of the headliners, they're going to say, well, Nas, Chance, the rapper, Mary J, what do they have to do with jazz? Your uh, retort is what? My retort is this festival is about all the music that has been inspired by jazz. It's the 50th year of hip hop, first of all. Mm -hmm. And there are jazz musicians on the bill. I'm artist in residence. I'm a jazz musician. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, all my Grammys are in R&B and hip hop, but whatever. I'm a jazz musician still, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> so, but this is really about how jazz has influenced so many other styles of music. You know what I mean? And everybody you name has a record that has jazz in it or a jazz sample in it. You know, Nas, you know, there's Ahmad Jamal all over Nas album. There's, um, there's uh, you know, Ahmad Jamal all over De La Soul albums. There's, you know, I mean, there's, um, um, you got Mary, Mary J. Blige, you know what I mean? You know, we, uh, what's that? Um, my life, my life, my life. That ain't nothing but, you know, Roy Ayers. Roy Ayers, you know? yeah. I mean, in, there's in fact, so he had George Benson uh, on Seven Days doing his oh, thing there. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Everybody on there has some sort of um, connection to jazz. And that's what it's really about. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm about. That's what I've been about for a very long time is connecting jazz, hip hop, and R and B, and and the root of it, the mother of all these things, is jazz. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know the 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 cool thing about this festival is, it, first of all, it, it was it came from my my residency that I do in New York. I do a residency at the Blue Note uh, in New York every October. We call it Robtoberfest, and I do it, and I I do like five or six weeks straight, and I have all these special guests pop up. Some some are pop up, some are build. You know what I mean. Never know what's going to happen. Dave pops in and out and and hosts with me. Sometimes Chris Rock comes through, and you know, it's just you never know what's going to happen. So 
we thought about it. We we're like, yo, let's try to make this a festival. You know what I mean? That'd be dope to make this whole month like a festival. So that's where the idea came from. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, it started off in a very small club, but you get all these big names coming through. You never know what's going to happen. So that's what makes this festival really cool. All these big names in a small town in Napa coming yeah. through and, 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 and doing this. And we, we kind of, we always make a little, um, um, it's, it's kind of like the blue note, like the blue note, you know, in the scale is the note that sticks out that pierces your heart. Like, what is that? You know what I mean? And, you know, this festival is like the blue note in Napa. You know what I mean? It's like, it sticks out. It's <laughs> yeah, never happened yeah. before. No it's doubt. Kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of thing never happened before in Napa. Uh, and the same way it is at Blue Note Jazz Club, you don't know who's going to jump on, who's going to be popping up at the festival that wasn't announced. And, you know, people jamming with each other. It's a big festival. Yeah. Like it's, not like, it's like a family reunion. You know Three what I mean? Three stages. We're, we should note that Dave you mentioned is Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, be, absolutely. Uh, you know, the de facto host. Um, others on the absolutely. lineup, we talked about, you know, Jab, Bobby McFerrin, oh, yes. Gary yep. Clark Jr., who's, you know, one of the absolutely. baddest guitarists out there. And, absolutely. You know, and, 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 yeah, and Rock. Michelle and Indigo, Cello. Uh, and yeah. I also appreciate, uh, I see uh, that Mr. Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic uh, on the lineup absolutely. as well. So I love George Clinton. Man. A little bit of everything for everybody. Absolutely. Um, we should we should also say that there are a myriad of ways to to pay for this thing, uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're talking about a number of days. Yeah. Uh, so people can uh, do it like we used to do back in the day and even lay away something if they need. Absolutely. To. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because it, 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 Yeah, for sure. It does hit the pockets, but you can. That's why we made it a certain way so you can get it done, because it's definitely some place that you got to be. You yeah. ain't going to get this nowhere else, nowhere else in the world. You know what I mean? So it's going to be very, very, very fun. And 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 it's it's very uh, inspirational when you go there. It's just like it's such an inspiration to well, just walk around there and, and see these people walking there. You know, just being cool and just, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's one of the great things about particularly jazz festivals. Yeah. So the walls are kind of torn down during jazz festivals. I think about Absolutely. the works the Burks Festival in Pennsylvania and the like, you mm -hmm. know, you, just like you say, you're walking in the lobby, you're sitting in a restaurant, everybody's just chilling and everybody's there. You know, you're, you're across from your favorite musician and it's Absolutely. a different, it's a different vibe. You feel like you're at home. You feel, like I said, you feel like it's a family reunion. It doesn't feel like the artists are over there and, and you're over here. You know what I mean? Like I was always walking around, Dave walking around, you know, just, it's just like, cool, real cool. Well, look, man, I look forward to it. I'm going to stumble my way out there uh, Absolutely. to Napa, sure. the uh, Blue Note Jazz Festival, July 28th through the 30th. And listen, I want to thank you for soldiering through laryngitis to make this happen, brother. Oh, man. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. more than a notion, man. Hey, for always sure. good to see you, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Another big thanks to Robert Glasper for more information on the Blue Notes Jazz Festival. Go to bluenotejazz.com. You'll find all the information you need to make your way to Napa for some great music. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.